Hey, well, good morning. We are um, carrying on our series um, in Christ, uh, and uh, this morning uh, we're going to be looking into it in Christ. It was one of the ways that Paul used to describe now what it meant to be a Christian in the Bible. Whether you've been a Christian for 40 years or perhaps a matter of days or weeks. Paul says you're in Christ and all the blessings and benefits of being in Christ are now yours because you've chosen to follow him. So we've already looked at some, haven't we? Can you remind me what we've already looked at? Forgiven. Well done. Adopted. Was that what? Oh, son, same. Yep. Chosen. Peace. We missed any. I think that's about it. And we've got a few more to go, but this morning we are looking at in Christ, I am loved. I'm loved. So if you have a Bible, you can find 1 John 4, 7 to 16. We're going to read from there. But it's so important to know who we are in Christ and the blessings of being in Christ. as As a culture, we're kind of bombarded by all sorts of things telling us all sorts of messages, telling us all sorts of things that we don't have in our life. What is it they say about advertising? Advertising is the art of um, getting people to spend money they don't have on things they don't need. So we've kind of developed a culture in our society that says, what don't I have? What am I not that I can add to me to make me something? It's true. I, when I first, um, many years ago, I used to work for a pharmaceutical company just for a short period of time. And uh, one of the things we used to make was shampoo. And we, would, you know, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't market shampoo like this. Well, actually, most shampoo, any, most of it's water anyway. And uh, it's just got a few little different things in, like mint or lime, but most of it's the same anyway. But buy ours, because it's quite nice. No, no, we didn't sell shampoo like that. I've lost the need for it now, but we used to say it's wonderful. We used to say it, it, it transforms your shower experience. It transforms your day. It transforms who you are. It's just shampoo. But these are the messages we get bombarded with in life. It's so important to know who we are, what we have in Christ, who we are in him. So let's read this passage this morning. 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 16. The words will be on the screen as well if you don't have a Bible. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God 
is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So this morning, we're going to look at five reasons why we need to know that in Christ we are loved. To misquote that song that we often sing, there were probably 10,000 reasons why we need to know that in Christ we are loved. Because trying to describe the love of God is difficult. In fact, one writer puts it like this. He says, trying to describe the love of God is like trying to rugby tackle a snooker table. You can give it your best shot, but ultimately it's far too big for you to get your arms round, and any, any attempt you make will be hopelessly limited. So if you remember just one thing from this morning... If you just leave thinking about one thing, know this, in Christ you are loved with a passion and with an everlasting love. And you may not be able to leave this morning fully able to describe the amazing love of God. But you'll be able to experience and encounter it in Christ. Like, like Dennis read out this morning from that passage. We can all connect, and he wants to connect us to his love. Everyone. Look down your row. He wants to connect everyone on your row to his love this morning. To encounter and experience his love. Look at yourself. He wants to connect you and I afresh to his love, to know and experience it and enjoy it. So much to say about God's love. So much to say about the amazing truth as we read that God is love. It's not just something he does. It's something he is. Okay, think about it like this. Go back, go back to before creation, okay? Go back to before the internet. That's going to be hard for you to sometimes, some of you think. Go back to before trains. That's going to be hard for Paul to think about. Go back to before football. 
It's going to be hard for Alan to think about. Go back to before the creation of the world, to mountains and valleys that were created in your wonderful nation from wherever you're from. Go back before all that, before anything. There was God. And he is love. So who or what is he loving? Because there's, there's nothing to love. Well, actually, Jesus tells us the answer in John 17, 24. He says, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. There was love within the Godhead, within the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, God in three persons. Listen to Andrew Wilson, who is a teacher within New Frontiers, our family of churches. Listen to how he explains it. God was loving God. Before anything existed, there was a loving community in the Godhead with each of the members of the Trinity loving one another. The Father, when faced with the radiance and perfection of the Son, could have no other reaction than love. The Spirit, watching the compassion and might of the Father, could likewise not respond with anything but deep affection. God does not just love sometimes, or even all the time. He is love. So you might be thinking, do you know, I just about believe that God exists. And that if he does, that I just about believe that he's probably loving, but I've never believed in this kind of God in three persons that the Bible teaches. Well, just consider this. If there's no Trinity, then before creation, there was no one, nothing, for God to love. That would mean that he would need to be, for him to be loving, he would need creation. He would need you and I. Without creation, without you and I, God would not fully be God. But he has always been who he is. He does not need you and I. He does not need creation to be who he is. He always is love and he delights to draw you and me into that love. So, five reasons this morning. Well, we need to know that in Christ we're loved. Number one, because it's true. It's true. But the reality is, we don't always believe it. And there may be reasons for this. Perhaps poor relationships in life have affected, um, have affected this. Perhaps, perhaps you never truly experienced love from one of your parents or your parents. Perhaps, perhaps someone close to you told you they loved you, but actually they betrayed that love or actually they left. That can, that can often lead us to think, well, I understand that God could love people, but others, not me. Listen to the words of John Ortberg, who is an American uh, church uh, leader and writer, and he wrote a book a few years ago called Love Beyond Reason, which is a fantastic book. 
And John says this, God doesn't just love you because he has to. He loves you because he wants to. God delights in you. Of course, that doesn't mean God delights in everything you do. Your own mother doesn't do that if she's at all healthy. But the fact that you exist, you, your own self, is very good in God's eyes. God likes to love you. You know, I suspect there may be many of us that need to hear that today. You may even be thinking, well, I guess God loves the crowd. God loves the church. Yes, that's true. But God loves you and me, our very selves. Perhaps you're seeking asylum here. Perhaps you're far away from your family. You're thinking, why am I here? Why has God led me here? Does God really love me? Listen, he loves you with an everlasting love. Perhaps you're single right now. And you believe the lie that says, well, until you're married, you'll never be fully satisfied and no real love. No, no, listen. He loves you with a passionate, everlasting love. Maybe you're a new Christian and you're thinking, well, I'll never be re- God will never love me properly until I'm really effective for him. No, no, God loves you with an everlasting, passionate love. Okay, number two, God, knowing we're loved helps us to better understand what love is. Where are you going to go to build up an understanding of love? Hollywood? <laughs> the latest m- music charts with songs filled supposedly about love? Celebrity Love Island? <laughs> That's a program, Paul. I know it's your favourite. <laughs> He's looking at me blankly. Seriously, you, you will end up with a view that love is purely emotional feelings. If it makes you happy, it's probably love. If you end up in bed, it's definitely love. You can fall into and out of love easier than you can fall into and out of your phone contract. But John tells us that love comes from God. We look at how God loves us to understand what love is. The Bible says similar when when the Apostle Paul's writing to the Ephesian church and he relates it to marriage. But he doesn't say, look, see how you love your wife. Well, that's how. Love Jesus like that. No, he doesn't. He says, see how Jesus loves the church. Now love your wife like that. It's very different. We look at God's love and shape and define true human love through that. So I just want to gently, gently bring a challenge 
and say, how much attention are you giving to encountering God's love in prayer, in reading the Bible, in worship? How much, rather than letting into your understanding of love being shaped by what you're watching on TV, what you're hearing in the music charts, what you're watching at the cinema. I'm not saying don't do these things. Don't hear what I'm not saying in advance of next week. <laughs> but, 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 I wa- but I want to challenge you in love, not to make you feel guilty. And, and I really am speaking to myself in this. Listen, where are we going to, to know and understand what true love is? Are we going to the Word? Am I, am, I, am I drenching myself in what it says about who God is and who I am in Him? Am I, am I, am I delighting in that in, in my prayer life? Okay, number three. It helps us to love those around us. John says this in the passage we've just read. No one has ever seen God But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He's saying, look, a sign that God's love has come to you and God by his spirit lives in you is that you're loving those around you. And he's saying completeness or perfection of God's love in us is that it begins to reproduce in us and it, we begin to love others the way that he loves us. It's a reproducing love. Let me tell you about Mary Slessor. Mary Slessor was born in 1848 in Scotland. She was from a very poor family. family of eight that lived in two rooms in a slum in Dundee. Her father was an alcoholic and extremely depressed and often violent. From the age of 11, she worked 12 hours a day, six days a week, and often at the end of those days, she'd go to bed hungry. She was a fiery redhead. We don't get many fiery redheads, do we? You can't tell from that photo. But she was. And uh, her her mum loved Jesus. And on every Sunday, Mary would go with her mum to church and she would love hearing stories of Jesus and how he loved her. She'd love it. And from an early age, she longed to share that love that Jesus had for her with people in Africa. When she was 28, she became a missionary and went to Calabar in Nigeria. I think Calabar's still there. Maybe some of our Nigerian friends will know if that's the case. Thumbs up. She, she, during her time there, she rescued a child that was left in the jungle, left to die because the villagers had believed that it was evil. It had an evil spirit because its mum had died in childbirth. Therefore, the child was evil. And she rescued it. She also encountered this practice where if twins were born, 
One of them was going to be good and one of them was going to be evil. And you don't know which one's which, therefore they were left out in the jungle to die. Abandoned. And she heard some villagers talking about two children that had been left abandoned and she went with them to rescue them and challenged the tribe and said, that's not right. Because God, Jesus, loves all children. And she changed the way that women were treated in that place because she knew Jesus loved women and men. And many people became Christians through her sharing of the good news of Jesus. See, Mary had encountered the love of Jesus herself. And it taught her how to love others. Your faith may not take you to a far distant country. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But what are the ways you are able to express that love that you've encountered in concern and affection for others? Is it in practical ways? Is it in practical ways like just providing food and friendship? Now, the ways you can do that in your community group, in your devoted group. Is it through social action? Is it through open door? Is it through the Hope Foundation? Is it, is it in caring for families in crisis through safe families? Is it in how you tell people about this love that you've encountered in Jesus? How you tell your friends at school, at college, in your workplace, the mums or the dads that you meet? Fourthly, it leads us to live differently. And I guess, I guess for most of us who are here as Christians, we're wanting to live lives that more and more reflect who Jesus is. Is that fair to say? Not at me if you kind of think, you know, we want, to, we want to live lives that reflect more and more who Jesus is and the love that we've encountered. But I suspect for, for many of us, the issue is, well, how does that happen? See, encountering different aspects of God can help us live the life that he's called us to. Encountering his beauty, encountering his holiness, encountering his power, encountering his joy, and yes, encountering his love. And in the same way that his love helps us to love those around us, it helps us to live the way God's called us to. See, you may have heard the phrase, God loves you just as you are, yet loves you too much to leave you as you are. Have you heard that? I heard it just this week again. You may say, well, that doesn't sound like genuine love. But think about it for a minute. Perhaps you've had a family member or someone you've known who's experienced an addiction, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, and more often than not, it's because you love them that you want them to change. You see the damage it does to them. You see the misery it causes them. You see, you see that the problems it causes for those around them. You still love them, but you want them to change. That's love. 
This is, this is Paul speaking in the book of Romans. He says this, Romans 2, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I like the message paraphrase of this. It says, God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into the radical life change. I really like that. What areas of your life is Jesus, in his love, wanting to lead you into radical life change? Maybe it's certain attitudes you have. Maybe it's how you handle your money. Maybe it's what you see on the internet when no one else is in the room. Maybe it's what you do with your time. In love, he wants to lead you and I into radical life change. See, it's not some kind of uncaring, whatever goes love that God has for us. No, no, he's for us and cares for us. And his love leads us and changes us. Okay, number five. How many did we have? Did we have five? We did, yeah. It's chopped and changed over the week, so I'm down to five. Okay, five. Number five, knowing that in Christ we are loved brings attention and praise to God. So, John, who's written our passage, was a follower of Jesus. He was Jesus' friend. But this book, this letter he's writing, was probably a few years afterwards, and there were some around at the time who were denying that Jesus was God entering our world Because how could a holy and perfect God enter into a filthy and broken world? Well, actually, he tells us here. He tells us in the passage that Sarush read out right at the start. And he tells us here in verse 9 and 10, we're going to read it in a minute, God, God sending his son into the world and giving his life for you and I is the supreme expression of his love for us. Let's read it. 9 and 10. This is how... Should we read it together? If you've got it. Can we put it up? Can we go back to... Can we go back to... Keep going. That one. There we go. Let's read it together. Um, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, love here means that God gives himself to others. This is not so much mushy, wet feelings, but this is passion that leads to action. In Jesus, God stepped into humanity. From perfect heaven, God entered sin-filled, broken humanity. And as John says, his death on the cross was an atoning sacrifice for you and I. In other words, it means this. 
instead of us having to face the punishment due for all our sin, all our rejection of God, he took it on himself. He sacrificed his life in our place. In Romans it says that God demonstrates his love to us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you might be, you might be here thinking this morning, I've got to get my life sorted. I may become a Christian one day, but I've got to get my life sorted. No, no God doesn't wait for that. He doesn't wait for you to make the first move. Because while we were still sinners demonstrated his love and Christ died for us. You can encounter that love today. You don't have to wait until I've sorted out my life. He wants to encounter you with his love today. That's the love we have, church, to take out to Teesside. Not, not look at us, look how God loves us because we try and do some good things. But Look, Teesside, come and see this message of God's love. That he died for you and I while we were still sinners. And he loves us with an everlasting love. Come and experience that. Come and encounter that. Come and know it. Come and enjoy it. So as we finish, we're going to finish in worship. We're going to take up offering and then we're going to carry on worshipping if the band could come up, that would be really great. We're, we're going to sing a song that we sang last week. And uh, it's a song that really challenged me last week quite deeply. And it has words in it and phrases in it like, I'll stand with my heart abandoned, my soul surrendered, all I have is yours. And if I'm honest, last week I was hit by the difficulty of those words. And I was hit by how my life compared to those words. And I realised that, do you know what? In my own abilities, saying those words is easy. But doing them, it's not just really hard, it's impossible. It really is, in my own ability. But actually, in God's love, and because of his spirit living in me and in you, that's the only way it can happen. It's the only way. And I realised, I realised as we were singing it, that's how God wants it to be. That's how he wants it to be. He doesn't want it to be uh, um, out of my abilities and what I can prove to him. He wants it to be a song of response of love towards his great love, towards all he has done for me and the spirit he's put in you and me. It's not, a, it's not a song about how loving and good I am and how impressive I can be. It's a response of how to how loving and good he is. He has been so good to us. He is so good to us. To you and I. And so I want us to sing, and I want us to be a response to his love this morning. Don't respond it in 
thinking, look how good I can be to you, God. Look how effective I can be for you, God. Sing it as a response of love. Lord, I'm so grateful for the love you have poured on me. And I'm responding in love. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning so aware of our failures, so aware of our, um, of our so often missing the mark. Yet we come knowing your great love. We come knowing you gave your life for us. We come knowing that that is the supreme expression of love. As you hung on a cross for me. As in love, you took on all the wrath, all the punishment that I deserved. And dealt with it on the cross. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, you keep loving me. Thank you that today, today we can experience and encounter your love. Because you keep pouring it out on us eternally. Abundantly. Thank you. And so I pray, fill us with your spirit this morning. Help us to know afresh your love. How wide and deep and great the love of God is for us. Thank you. And let us share it with those around us. Let it overflow from us into our neighbourhoods and into our schools and into our workplaces and into our streets and across Teesside and across this nation. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to take up our offering.